This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. So good to see all of you this evening. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Praise God. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy lives to, uh, you know, uh, come and worship and honor the King. Praise God. You know, he's coming again. Jesus is coming again. Praise God. It's going to be glorious. You know, thank God. I mean, you know, as a believer, we have so much to look forward to. Last Sunday, I was talking about the fact that, you know, if you're if you do not have hope, I mean, if, if hope has escaped you, then you're not, you're not looking at things properly. You're not thinking correctly uh, because he is our blessed hope. Amen. Well, I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about that. Well, Jesus told us what to do about in those matters too. He said not to be careful for anything. Never be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight uh, with regard to the subject of prayer. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've studied the subject for 40 plus years. And I tell you what, I was looking at it today. I thought, glory to God, I've never seen that before. I mean, I had, but I hadn't. You know what I'm saying? So I want to share some of those things with you. And, uh, and I believe you'll be blessed as a result of it. So if you have a Bible, let's open our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5. We'll use this as our text for this evening, uh, talking about this subject of prayer, and particularly your own personal prayer life. As many of you know, I mentioned, or I called the church to pray uh, this coming Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. It's very much a no-frills kind of thing. We're going to gather together in the name of Jesus and uh, maybe take a few scriptures. I'll, I'll provide some guidance in terms of the direction of our prayers, and then we're just going to take off. I hope you'll be able to join us. Um, uh, actually, you know, when this whole pandemic thing, even before that, but more so here of late, uh, there was such a shift that took place. The Spirit of the Lord really dealt with me about praying. And, um, and I, we did to some degree, but not near enough. Not with any consistency or any regularity, and, and uh, I, I am fixing to change that. Uh, because, uh, you know, Brother Hagen, our spiritual father, uh, talked about the fact, well, he had a vision in 63, he had a vision in 70, he had a vision in 79, and in the one, the latter one, the Lord spoke to him and actually said that he was holding the church accountable for what happened in 1970. And if you remember, that was during the time of the Watergate matter. And uh, he said a lot of things could have been changed and, uh, and the country would not have had to experience what it did if the church would have prayed, and she didn't. And he was calling that incident to remembrance for some things that were going on in 1979. And if now a lot of you, I mean, some of you may not have even been born in 79, but, but, um, <clears throat> but the Lord uh, was dealing with him. And, and for those of us that were close to him and whatnot, we, we know that prayer became a huge emphasis within his ministry and not just talking about it or teaching it, but actually practicing it. So anyway, as the church um, in our generation, in the time that you and I are in right now, uh, we need to be a church that is at prayer because we too can impact things uh, in a very powerful kind of way. So we'll 
discuss that this evening and talk with you a little bit about it. And, and particularly, as I mentioned, in your own personal prayer life, really just how powerful your prayer life is and how necessary it is. And, you know, I think apart from the Word of God, uh, perhaps, our prayer life is it's probably the second most important thing in your relationship that you have with Him. Jesus was very much in the habit of, after having had a day of ministry with the people, you know, pulling himself aside or going off by himself and spending time with the Lord and even early in the morning, different kinds of things, you know, uh, in that regard. So I think sometimes talking about subject of prayer, you know, it seems to be somewhat of a mystery, but it, it really shouldn't be. You know, prayer is talking to God, you know in the simplest definition that you can give. And, you know, and, and but yet people will say, well, you know, I, I, I know that, but I'm just not sure I know how and so on and so forth. Sometimes you gotta just dive in. I remember one couple when they first got saved, um, um, they were, it was all so very new to them and they knew how to pray or they knew they needed to pray, but they were embarrassed to pray in front of one another, but they knew they needed to pray. You know, think about that, you know. Now, for some of us, we think nothing about praying, but, but we're talking about people that are just very innocent and, and not knowing. So what they would do, knowing they needed to pray, is, is that they would go to bed together, shut the light off, and then they would pray. That way they didn't have to see each other. So, you know, I guess whatever works for you, huh? And I'm sure that they graduated to some other things where that probably wasn't necessary, but thank God for it. But <clears throat> I just, you know, as believers, I mean, uh, the last thing you want to do is give up on prayer, you know, maybe because, you know, you're not experiencing something that you've prayed about or this or that or the other. I want to reignite some things on the inside of you about this. You have to understand that we live in a fallen world, and the God of this world is doing everything he can to try to thwart the manifestation of God's glory in the earth and the manifestation of his power and his, his answer to prayers in your life. Are you with me? So sometimes he just, he just outlasts uh, people. You know, Daniel prayed one time, began to fast, no, he ate no pleasant bread for 21 days. When the angel finally came, he said, from the first day that you spoke, your words were heard. But the prince of Persia withstood me one in 20 days, but I've now come for your words. So we, we, don't, we don't think about some of these things when it comes to our prayer life, you know, and especially, you know, when you read in the scriptures, it talks about perseverance with all perseverance and supplication in the spirit. So sometimes you just, there has to be a tenacity, you know, uh, that you just stay with whatever it is that you're praying about needing where your life is concerned in order to see the result. Because I'll just tell you, everybody, you got, I tell you, your prayers matter. They matter not only to the church at large, but they matter where your personal life is concerned. And they are effectual. Now, the devil, of course, will try to lie to everybody and tell them, well, you know, that praying business doesn't work. You know, after all, look at this or that or the other. Nothing's changed, so on. So, well, he's a liar. I said he's a liar. And so consequently, you know, people end up missing out on uh, a lot of the blessing of God uh, that they could enjoy. Now, you remember um, uh, John Wesley, he was the founder of the Methodist Church and Methodism. He's very methodical, obviously. 
But he made this statement. He said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity except, except someone ask him. He went on then to say, why this is, we do not know. Well, you know, if you read the scriptures, praise God, you can kind of find out why. Huh? Are you listening to me? But listen again to what he said. It seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity except someone ask him. You say, well, you know, God knows everything. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, hasn't he got this thing figured out? Well, that's true, he does, and we'll talk about that. But he did say that we were to ask. Isn't that right? So, um, you know, I, I mentioned this, but I'll say it again. You know, hell does everything that it can to discourage, to distract, and keep people from praying. And yet, on the other hand, heaven does everything that it can to encourage your prayer life, you know. And um, so we'll talk about that. Look here with me in uh, James chapter 5. And uh, uh, James is writing here. Let's start with uh, the, the whole context of this is, is basically couched within the subject of prayer. But notice verse 13. It says, is any among you afflicted? Does anybody's translation says something different than afflicted? Troubled. Troubled? Anything else? Suffering? Anything else? In other words, what you could say when it talks about being afflicted, it's not, it's not really talking about necessarily a physical affliction like sickness or disease. It's talking about, is any of you going through a test or trial? Troubled? You know, that type of thing. So the response that James gives to that person is to let them do what? Let them what? What is that? Is that just a Band-Aid, you know, to you know, kind of cover up whatever the problem is and hopefully you can hang on whatever till you get through it or what? No. No, there, I mean, if he's asking, or in, no, I shouldn't say it this way, if he's instructing you that when you get into the tests or the trials or the trouble or the whatever, the answer to your deliverance is to pray. Okay? And not pray with, you know, the attitude of, you know, God, I know that you're trying to teach me something here, so I hope I can learn the lesson. You know, tests and trials, they, you know, they don't come from heaven. Are you listening to me? They come from hell. Are you listening to me? Praise God. Now, God may prove you as far as your faithfulness and things of that nature. Don't, don't mistake the two. But I mean, when you got trouble coming to your life, heaven didn't show up with it. Are you with me? So he says, is any afflicted? Let him pray. It goes on then to say, is any merry? Let him sing praises or psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him in the name of the Lord and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, I should say. And it says that the prayer of faith shall save or deliver the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, or if sin be the cause, praise God, it shall be forgiven him. Glory to God. Therefore, call, uh, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. So, so you see all these things about pray, 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 you know, and pray for one another. Now, notice this, <clears throat> that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman King James says, uh, availeth much. And then it uses Elijah or Elias as it is in the King James. 
was a man subject to passions as we are, yet he prayed earnestly that it, um, that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Wow. <laughs> that was a dusty outfit, huh? Come on. I thank God for rain. Do you guys thank God for rain? Oh, it's so wonderful. And then he prayed again. Of course, part of the reason for all of this had to do with judgment upon Israel, so we don't have time to study that. But he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain on the earth and brought forth her fruit. Thank you, Jesus. Now, so notice with me again, if you would please, in this last uh, uh, sentence of the 16th verse, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want to read it from a number of different translations. Just want you to listen. First of all, the Amplified Bible says this, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The ASV translation says the supplication of a righteous man avails much in its working. Weymouth's translation says Powerful is the heartfelt supplication of a righteous man. Moffat's translation says, The prayers of the righteous have a powerful effect. How many of you believe that? And then also it says, Tremendous power, this is a 20th century New Testament, Tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. Actually, that's Philip's translation. Uh, 20th century says, great is the power of a good man's fervent prayer. RSV says, the prayer of the righteous has great power in its effects. Now, how many of you believe the Bible here tonight? Well, the Bible says, praise God, your prayers matter. And that they are, they carry with them great power. You know, we're praying for our kids or we're praying for our spouse or whatever it is that we're praying about. I'm telling you what, the Bible says that if you're walking in right standing with God, that your prayers are heard. His prayers are, or I mean your prayers, I should say, are his ears are open to your prayers. That's what I meant to say. And it's important for us to know that. Knox translation says, when a just man prays fervently, there is great virtue in his prayer. And then William says, an upright man's prayer when, it, uh, when kept at work is very powerful. Think about that. Hallelujah. And then finally, one translation says, the prayer of a righteous man can bring powerful results. So I tell you what, glory to God, there's something to be said for what you do when it comes to your prayer life. Now, let's, let's took a, uh, take a look at Ephesians chapter 6 real quickly. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Just looking at a couple of scriptures. Well, there's, I mean, you could, you'd never exhaust it tonight as far as the number of scriptures in the Bible that talk about prayer. But notice here, uh, the Apostle Paul's talking about putting on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Isn't that interesting? And he concludes this list in verse 18 by saying, praying always, or at all times, glory to God. Praying always, as it says in verse 18, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Note with me, if you would, in this scripture, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Okay? So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, of course, it, it means to pray with other tongues. Amen. Pray in your own, your, your, what we call our prayer language or uh, in an unknown tongue. The Bible says the person who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God because no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. So he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but who? To who? God. So when we speak in an unknown tongue, we're speaking to God. Now, we don't understand it, but the Bible also tells us, you know, that we're speaking mysteries or uh, I think one, uh, one translation says divine secrets. Well, it's a mystery to us, not a mystery to him, right? So we're the ones that don't understand, but it does say that when we speak in an unknown tongue, we're not, we're not speaking to men, but God. So the Holy Ghost joins together with us to pray for the will of God to be done. Because the Holy Ghost is the one who gives you the utterance or the ability to speak in an unknown tongue. Isn't that right? He's the one who gives the unction for you to be able to speak. So there's this cooperation that occurs when you're praying in the Spirit or praying in other tongues. Now, you know, the Bible says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Isn't that right? So, so when I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm praying out of my spirit or my own spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I think the Amplified says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays by the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's the one that helps or aids in that, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, what's interesting about that to me, and again, I mean, I've read these scriptures, I don't know how many times, but when I was thinking about the fact that the scripture says that when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, my understanding is unfruitful. When you couple that together with uh, Romans chapter 8 and 26, the Bible says the, the Spirit likewise helps, the Holy Spirit helps our infirmity or our weakness for or because, the weakness being, we don't know what to pray for as we should or as we ought. Are you with me? Tracking with me here? So it goes on then to say, but the Spirit himself makes intercession or gives us utterance or, or makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's what the scripture says. So in, in essence, what's happening is, is when we give ourselves to pray in the spirit, then the Holy Spirit comes and takes hold together with us against whatever it is that we're dealing with so that, praise God, tremendous power can be made available for that situation. And listen, my friends, when you begin to pray in the Spirit about a situation, you can do so with confidence, knowing, praise God, that the Holy Spirit himself is helping you to pray. 
You know, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, well, I don't know what good that did. You know, I don't, I didn't feel anything or I didn't see anything or nothing's really changed or whatever. But you know, none of all of that, none, I mean, all of that is nothing more than human reasoning and fleshly kinds of responses that we get because we haven't seen anything. Don't negate what it is that God is doing when he uses you to pray in the spirit. Are you with me? There's more that we could talk about or say about that as far as, you know, uh, praying, you know, uh, well, the old timers used to call it praying through, but we we won't get into that right now. But here's what I want you to see, okay? In in all of that, (laughs) this is what I want you to get. You know, without your prayers, there are a lot of things that will not come to pass in your life with, well, I could say it this way, a better way to say it. A lot of things won't come to pass with regard to your personal life. That could. I mean, if Brother Hagen was, you know, basically, I guess you could say rebuked or, you know, said that he's going to hold the church responsible because they didn't pray, that's indicative that we could have changed that or we could have impacted or affected that. Isn't that right? Well, the same thing's true with your life and mine. Now, <clears throat> I don't think that this my comments here are intended to be a ball and chain around our neck, you know, like some heavy, weighty kind of thing. But I do believe that we should have a prayer habit, a, a, a regular conversation with our Heavenly Father with regard to our lives and what it is that needs to be done. Sometimes people just throw up their hands. You know, there's a lot of you know, people that embrace um, God's sovereignty and being sovereign, which he is, you know, and, but what they do is they chuck their whole life at this thing and say, well, you know, it's his deal and whatever will be, will be. It's kind of a fate, kind of just, you know, leave it up to him. And, and nothing from a scriptural or big, biblical uh, standpoint could be further from the truth. It's an abdication of responsibility. It's like my brother I mentioned to you, you know, uh, when I was talking to him about getting saved, he says, well, I just believe God wants to save me. He will, and if he don't, he won't. So what's that? That's, I'm off the hook. Well, you're not off the hook. And I just told him, dude, you're going to go to hell. And that went over big, you know. My little brother's telling me I'm going to hell. All right, well, well, thank God he got saved. And he got turned on to the word. But it was his decision and a choice that he had to make. But see, that's what the devil will do. He'll try to p- keep people out of the kingdom of heaven and say, well, you know, you're okay. And after all, you know, if God wants to save you, he's going to save you. If he don't, I guess he won't. Well, if he can kill him before he gets to a place of making Jesus the Lord of his life, then he succeeded in his, in his deal. All right, you with me? And the same thing's true when it comes to your prayer life. You know, people throw up their hands about their kids. Dude, don't ever throw up your hands about your kids. I tell you what, you lay hold of them in the spirit in the name of Jesus, and don't you ever let go. Are you with me? Praise God. The devil plays for keeps. You know, we see all this nonsense going on, you know. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that don't believe, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. Well, I tell you what, praise God, we can make tremendous power available, and we can open up the windows of heaven. And we can cause light to shine in the darkness where people can find their lives in Christ and be born of the Spirit of God. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. You know, when Peter, you know, he was, I mean, he was, <laughs> he was circling the drain. 
You know, and Peter, you know, in that moment, Jesus prayed for him. You know, he said, well, actually, he told him, he said, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail so that when you're converted, you know, um, uh, comfort or strengthen, you know, the, the, the people, you know. Because, you know, Peter had some issues, real issues, real issues. He was so full of pride and arrogance, dude. I mean, he reeked with it. I mean, that whole issue that he got into, there was a strife among them as to who should be the greatest. I will guarantee you that the subject and, the, and Peter was the one who started that whole mess. Why? Because when Jesus got done in that teachable moment telling them about greatness in the kingdom, he then turned to Peter and he said, he said Peter, that Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. In other words, he wants to run you through the ringer. But I have prayed for you so that your faith will not fail. And you know the rest of the story. I mean, he denied Jesus three times. He said, I'll never do that and all that and the other. I mean, you know, this guy, um, uh, he went through it, you know, and about destroyed his life. He could have been as, he was probably next in line for the place where you take your life. Judas had already made that happen. But P Peter, you know, in that whole messed up thing, you know, it, it wrecked him. Well, you know, that's what pride does. But thank God we can get humbled. Huh? Come on. <laughs> Y'all still glad you came? Glory to God. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Peter. So, you know, relax. But I guess the principle applies to all of us. So, again, what I want you to see is, is that when, it, you know, your prayers matter. Everybody say, my prayers matter. That your prayers matter. You know, you say, well, I'm, I'm not seeing any change. That doesn't matter. You know, it may, it may depend a lot on what it is that you've bit off, what it is you've taken on, what it is you're fighting for. Are you with me? You know? So... But, but again, you know, there's a lot of things that won't come to pass. Our church was born out of a group of people that asked for it. That's how it happened. You know, God answers prayer. We were in the beginning of the charismatic movement. You know, these people are getting turned on to the word, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they want a spirit-filled church. And, um, and we're all thinking you know, that God is going to sweep through the denominational um, um, churches and, you know, everybody's going to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, it didn't happen. All hell broke loose. You know, the devil doesn't like giving up territory. And so, so lots of folk, you know, were hungry for God. And they said, well, what do we do? I said, well, I think we just need to pray. Well, I believe that the church was born out of that prayer. In other words, God said, I'm going to answer these people's prayer and give them a spirit-filled church. And here we are 40-some years later. Actually, you know, 43, I guess. Hallelujah. Time flies when you're having fun. Amen. So, so again, how you pray, uh, not just, again, how you pray, but the fact that your prayers are mattered. They matter, and, and the thing is, is that if we don't pray, you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of Christians, they, they've stopped praying. They don't do much praying. You know, they, just, they don't pray, you know. 
They've, they've bought some kind of lie, you know, one way or well, you know, it doesn't much good, and, yeah, I don't get it, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the reasoning is. You know, um, a lot of times people get offended, you know, and then, well, that prayer thing, that don't work, you know. And so um, there's a lot, of, a lot of that that goes on. You know, uh, it's kind of like, well, what good is prayer? You know, why do we need to pray? I mean, after all, God already knows everything, you know. Doesn't, doesn't he already know what I need? Well, God does know what you need, doesn't he? Huh? How many of you know that? The scriptures tell us, you know, that your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. But he did, he did say to ask. Because, you know, the thing about it is, is uh, I, I don't know if this has any relevance to it or whatever, you know. But there was a time when Jesus sent the disciples to go to the other side and he went somewhere to pray. And while he was praying, he seen in the spirit that they were toiling, you know, on the, on, on the Sea of Galilee. In other words, dude, they were, they were in, quote, unquote, deep water, you know. And the Bible says that he went to them walk, and walking on the water, and the Bible says, and would have passed them by. <laughs> Think about that. You know, I mean, he knew that they were in trouble, but it was kind of like, you know, unless you ask, you're just kind of on your own. Well, they saw him, they cried out, and, you know, and, and, and he did something about it. So I think sometimes, you know, I mean, if you're not going to ask, if you're not going to uh, call on the name of the Lord, you know, then you're not going to, you know, he says, call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you know nothing about. But a lot of folk, you know, they've kind of given up on the whole idea, and that's the last thing that you want to do. Amen? So we're still told to ask, and we have something to do with the way that things uh, turn out or how they go within our lives. Um, I could, I'll just refer to uh, the scripture in Matthew where he says, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open to you. You know that scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. You know, James, when he was writing about it, he says, uh, he said this, he said, yet you have not because you ask not. Huh? And then he talked about motives and different things like that. But <clears throat> because here's something for you to maybe uh, think about. Um, I've, I've been kind of, this is, this is surfaced quite a bit here of late in services that we've been preaching. But I'm telling you that when you gave your heart to Christ and you become a new creation in him, I mean, to say that that's a game changer is, that doesn't even mildly put it. What happened in your, your being converted and being born of the Spirit of God changed everything. I mean, it changed everything. You know, we've preached to people about, you know, being redeemed from the curse and all of these things that are part of that, having, you know, been delivered from the authority of darkness, all of those things. That's certainly part of it. But, but, but the thing you need to realize is, is that, you know, um, John, when he was writing, he says, Beloved, he said, Behold, he says, What manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God, you know, and, and we don't always think of ourselves in that term or in those terms. And the reality is, is that when, when I say that you are salt and that you are light and that you are the preservers of life in this earth, 
See, the thing is, is that you and I are the ones that are in the earth or on the earth. And that's what gives us great privilege because we have, we have access to this earth and we have access to heaven. So we become the conduit as to what God can and wants to do in this earth-born existence. Are you listening to me? But we don't think about that because the devil lies to us, tries to demean us, you know, and just is so condescending about our, our worth or value or whatever the case might be. And that's why when we, when we talk about, you know, being more than a conqueror, when we talk about, you know, the value that you have and who you are, people need to, they need to get a hold of it. They need to grasp it. They need to embrace what it is God has done. Not for the sake of arrogance, but praise God, you are an ambassador for Christ. Are you listening to me? So there's, there need be no apologies or, or any of those kinds of things. You, you have to keep it in its proper context. I mean, without him, guess what? You're nothing. But with him, hallelujah, you can make tremendous power available. Are you with me? So, so um, um, where was I? <laughs> because you're here as a believer on this earth, there is, now listen to this, because you're here, this is what gives you the right. When, when, if you've had loved ones that went on to be with Jesus, their deal's over. They're not, you know, I mean, yeah. They're hanging over to the banister waiting for your arrival. But past that, that's, it's over. But while you're here, there is, and you have, a spiritual jurisdiction, an authority, or a place, at least for yourself. Now, there are some limitations about this, you know, as far as the power that is available, because there are some people that you want so desperately to help, but you can't help them unless they want to be helped. Huh? You got to have their consent. Remember Dad Hagen, I, see, I use him because I, I read after him quite a bit. You know, he's talking about this one woman, and she, uh, uh, she'd lost her mind. And so uh, he was having a meeting someplace, and, and her husband had brought her up for prayer. She'd been in the insane asylum once, and they'd taken her out and, and uh, brought her to this meeting. And, uh, and when they came down, she, Brother Hagen was about ready to pray for him, and, and or ask her, you know, talk to her, and her husband just kind of, you know, kind of got up in the middle of it and said, we're here for prayer because she uh, um, uh, has lost her mind. Well, you know, okay, so Brother Hagin lays his hands on her. As soon as he did, he had a word of knowledge about everything that went on where this woman was concerned. He took his hands back off her. And he said, well, why don't you go over into the, you know, room off the sanctuary there wherever you know and and uh i and the pastor will meet you later and so he went and he you know went down the line prayed for the rest of them when it was over with he went in and uh he said now he says first of all he says uh you know this is the first time i've been to this church and and i don't know you and and um, um i don't even know if the pastor knows you well the pastor said well yeah she used to be a a, a leader within our church and he's a deacon 
in the church. And so Brother Hagin just said, so, so I want you to understand, I don't know anything about your situation, but this is what I know as far as in terms of what happened. And so he began to rehearse what happened. You know, she had been to an evangelistic meeting, and there was an evangelist that was preaching, and he said that he had heard an audible voice that called him into the ministry. And, of course, you know, that can happen, but that's not the way that God speaks to people necessarily. It's an exception, not a rule. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God, and the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. In other words, he's going to speak to you in a still, small voice on the inside of you, but this guy heard an audible voice. Well, she wanted to hear an audible voice. So she went seeking to, to hear them, and the devil accommodated her. Well, then she went nuts because she's hearing all these voices, and it's all goofed up and everything. And so the husband, you know, desperate for deliverance, decides that he's going to take her to these meetings and different ones to pray for him. So he went back to the evangelist that said he'd, you know, been called into the ministry by an audible voice. He prayed for him. Nothing happened. Well, so now he's you know, the husband speaks disparagingly of him because after all, it's his fault and he should have, no, it's not his fault. It doesn't have anything to do with him. So went to another one, that, and Brother Hagin's rehearsing all of this, went to another guy and had a minister, you know, and had him pray for, nothing happened. And he said, now, the reason that I stopped and didn't pray is because if I'd have prayed for her, nothing would have happened again. And he said, and by the way, she's not as far out in her mind as you think uh, she is. And he says, you aren't, are you? And she says, I know what you're saying, you know. And so then Brother Hagin uh, told the man, he said, the reason I didn't pray for her is, is that she doesn't want to be delivered. And as long as she wants to hear voices, she's going to keep hearing them. She says, and that's what I want. I want it, you know. And so the session was over. Why am I saying that to you tonight? Because a lot of times you and I have the same earnest desires to see people changed and their lives changed. But there are limits as to what it is that you can do to affect that person if they don't want to change. Are you with me? Now, it's to be regretted, but they have a say-so. God protects their right as to how they will live and whether they will yield or obey or submit, you know, to the counsel of God. And if they choose not to, then nothing can be done, at least not, you know, within that context. Does that make sense to you? And, you know, that, that's, that seems discouraging, and, and, and it is in that context, but at least you understand so that you can free yourself from the responsibility. Are you, there's no use of you carrying it. He said, cast all your care on to him. Why? Because he cares for you. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but I want to see it happen. Well, we all do. I mean, life could be. So my wife and I, we rehearse situations over these last 40 years, and, and um, it's sad what it is that we've witnessed, you know, because we know that life could have been different, and it could have been better and so many things could have. But people make their decisions and choices. And there ain't a whole lot you can do about it. So you do the best you can. And then when you, you know, finish, you know, praise God, you go on down the road and stay happy. Huh? Glory to God. Well, anyway, praise God.
So, uh, <clears throat> so my point, let's go back to this point that I was mentioning as we come up on our, our hour here is, is that you have, you have jurisdiction spiritually where your own life is concerned for sure and authority, you know, to deal with certain things and, and all of that. Um, and you have it because you're on this earth. Now, you know, when you're a parent, you got kids in your house, they are under your authority. Amen. I mean, different times, my wife and I, we'd wake up in the middle of the night. Many of you probably done the same thing. You know, your um, child is, you know, fevered and sweating and sick and whatever. And you got to get up, praise God, and tell the devil that he's in the wrong house, that he needs to go down the road, toad. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? And so... Um, that, that's, that's your jurisdiction. That's your house right there. Amen. Praise God. So you drive a bunch of stakes in the ground around it and say, you ain't coming in here. I do it all the time with the church. I pray all the time. I put sentries around this church when I come and I preach here because religious devils show up. They crawl in here on people, you know, and what do they do? They throttle the service. They do everything they can to thwart what it is that God's wanting to do as far as moving in the spirit. The devil does not want God moving any place, you know. So I just take authority over him. Because, I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but I know it's true. And you can tell the difference when it is, and you can tell the difference when it ain't. And that's, that's why we need to pray more, you know, so that we can get this junk, you know, and people, you know, they'll haul it in with them. You get unsaved people, you know, they'll come in here and they got all kinds of devils and all kinds of messed upness. And I mean, man, they'll sit there and, and there's this, you know, call it a vibe or whatever you want, dude. But they're doing everything to wreck everything if they can. But you just have to say, not here, buddy. Somebody's going to get uncomfortable and leave and it's not going to be me. Are you with me? You know, I've watched it. I tell you, you guys, I have watched men particularly, even women, but more so men because I'm a man. And I'll watch them, and they'll come in this church. They come with their husbands or their wives. Wait a minute. Let's get that right. <laughs> yeah, could be. Anyway, they come, and they're not saved, and they got kind of drug in there, you know. So in other words, there's not a lot of warm fuzzy, and that's okay. You know, you got to start somewhere. I know Brian Wilson, he got saved because Brian Yoder brought him to the men's event. And he was back on the back row right there where uh, Brent is, and he was ticked because Brian, he thought, lied to him, and he didn't. You know, it was a, it was a men's event. It was just a church service, and he didn't like it. But as soon as the first chord was struck in the music, God began to melt that guy's heart and change his life forever. Now he loves Jesus with all his heart. And is serving him, you know. So anyway, back to the guys. They'll come, and they don't want to be here, okay. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about one in particular. He lasted about three weeks. That's about it, three or four weeks. And then they don't come back. They're, fa they're being faced with a decision and a reality, and they, and they don't like it. And unless they, unless they yield to it, 
You know, I watched another guy did the same thing, came down here, you know, and, uh, and his daughter was bringing him. And uh, sure enough, on one of the services, you know, the Spirit of God came on this guy, and he responded, and he came down, walked the aisle, crying like a baby, and gave his heart to Jesus. You know, there's, there's, there is war going on for the hearts of men and women. Are you listening to me? So again, that's why we, the church, we need to be at prayer about some of these things. So, you know, uh, again, I mean, like I said, hell do anything it can to try to keep people from coming into the kingdom of God. I mean, you know, there are people right now, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I thought to myself, you know, we're hearing how there's all this attrition within the church. And I asked myself, I said, well, why are we not doing something about it in, in the realm of prayer? You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, people, they only come, you know, about so often, once a month. I mean, it's diminishing things. You know, since, since COVID, we've looked at our numbers. They've all dropped off to people, dif- disappeared and whatever. I thought to myself, you know, why aren't we doing something about that? Can't we make tremendous power available? Because I don't know what's making them think the way that they do or whatever it is that they're doing. But, dude, that's from hell. The Bible says we're not to forsake our assembling together so much the more as we see the day approaching. I mean, we need one another more than ever now. But you see all this stuff, and people say, well, you know, it's apocalyptic, man. I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's the great falling away or whatever. Well, there might be some that are falling away, but they don't have to be our people. Are you with me? So we'll fight for them. Are you listening to me? And that's one of the things that we're going to do on Sunday night. Yeah, it'll be great. We're going to give hell a black eye. Talking about, just to close, uh, talking about your uh, jurisdiction and authority. Listen to this. This comes out of Ezekiel. Um, I'm not sure the translation. It might be the New Living. Um, But it says, The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and the needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. Do you have that translation? Uh, pretty close. Okay. And, and uh, so, this is God is speaking. He says, this is what they've done. So then it says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So that tells me, dear friends, that your prayers and my prayers can make a difference. He said, I'm, I was looking for somebody and I couldn't find anybody. We got all kind of hell breaking loose and all kind of junk going on. And I'm telling you what, the fervent, effectual prayer of righteous men and women can do something about it. Are you listening to me? So it goes on to say, you know, therefore, because of his indignation, he poured out his wrath. Now, here's another example of this, and this is with Abraham. You remember the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, we're living in a, a sin-sick, filth world right now going down the same path. It's like we live in the same valley they do. We're just a couple doors up. Are you with me? So when Abraham, now this is uh, in the 18th chapter, he came near to the Lord and he said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So what's he doing? Well, he's, he's standing in the gap, isn't he? 
He's standing before God. He said, you surely wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked, would you? You know, he said, peradventure that you find 50 there. He said, you know, would not the God, well, I'll, I'll just read it because it's, it's powerful. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were there? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Wow. This guy has got it going on. Huh? So the Lord said, well, if I find 50, if, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I'll spare it. I'll spare the place for their sake. Think about that. Well, you know, he went down about five, five people increments till he got down to 10. He said, I, I hate to bother you about this, but if there were 10, would you spare it? He said, if I can find 10, I will. Guess what? He didn't find 10. What was there, eight? Yeah, eight, you know. I would guess, you know, if he'd have went down to, you know, the five, he probably, well, he would have, you know. But he didn't get asked that. And so he went, and uh, so let me uh, uh, close with sharing this scripture with you in First uh, John chapter 5. This is our go-home scripture tonight. Two verses. Praise God. Verse 14, 1 John chapter 5 and 14. And this is the confidence. Everybody say, I have confidence. That if we ask anything, hallelujah, praise God. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you suppose that God wants everybody back in church? <laughs> huh? He sure enough would hear that prayer, wouldn't he? And then verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we hope Oh, we know that we what? Have the petitions that we desired of him. Let me just say it one, one more time, you guys. Your prayers, your, they matter. And there has to be action on earth, you know, and we're the ones to make that happen. Somebody needs to ask, hallelujah, so that heaven can move. So you be that person, will you? Let's everybody stand up together, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Just lift one hand up toward heaven. Let's just uh, worship the Lord here for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Father God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Father. Fathers, we, we, we come tonight. We thank you for what it is you've made available. Tremendous power available. That our prayers avail much. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God.
Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for your mighty working, the working of your power. Father, as we come and as we're gathered here right now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you, Father God, for what it is you desire to do in the lives of people that are here present, and also those that are watching by internet. And Father God, I ask you to help them to take hold of what it is that they've heard and begin the process, yes, of calling unto you so that you might answer them and show them the things that you want them to know, to bring about the changes, Father, that they've desired, Father, to have within their lives. Lord, help them to learn how to stand and persevere in prayer so that, Father, those things that you have ordained may be made manifest within their lives. Father, I thank you for revelation, knowledge, and strength, Father, within their innermost being. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for the oil of gladness and joy, Father, and the cheer of God to come back to them as they look to you. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God being stirred up within them to bring about those things, Father, you desire. And I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. You will raise up a standard against the enemy that's come in like a flood. And glory to God, bring about blessing and honor and glory. Glory to your name, Father. Yes, Father, we rejoice in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think you ought to just lift up your voices a little bit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you may have to start out in the flesh, but I guarantee you'll end up in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you for your blessing. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to share something with someone here tonight. Um, I mentioned um, um, at the beginning of the service, the Lord had spoke to me about um, being hopeful because I'd listened to some prophetic things that Brother Hagin had talked about in 63 and, and we find ourselves um, at the fulfillment of those things that he spoke um, in an incredibly... Um, uh, precise kind of way and so um, when I was thinking about that um, I was discouraged I'm thinking man praise God we're at the end get ready I mean you know tie, tie a knot in the end of your rope buddy because it's going to get ugly in a hurry but yet on the other hand I knew that couldn't be God so my wife and I were watching television and we decided we was going to get ready to retire so my job most of the time is to take the dog out you know to do the last little piddle thing before the evening you know and so I stepped outside I stepped off my porch on the sidewalk and the Spirit of God spoke to me began to prophesy to me 
out of my own mouth about the fact that, praise God, there is a champion, Jesus, and, and went on and said some other things about, you know, what it is that he was going to do. Because, because what Brother Hagin talked about was for a period of time that has led us up to this hour. But that doesn't mean that God's done with, you know, speaking to the body of Christ and what it is that he's going to do, his sustaining and keeping power. And that's when he said, you know, he told me, he says, if you are living hopelessly, then you are looking at or thinking about the wrong things. And I thought, God, I'll take that. Amen. Now, there's someone here, you've got a challenge in your life that is seemingly overwhelming. And uh, it's, it looms large. And there doesn't seem to be an answer to it. But I'm telling you that heaven has an answer. And heaven will come to you and he will deliver you and he'll set you free. But here's the key. The key to it is you've got to stop looking at it. Now, I'm not talking about being in denial but I'm talking about you are no longer gonna let it control you. And you're gonna to look to the Lord and you're gonna, every time that you're tempted, you're gonna say, Father, I just wanna thank you, praise God, you are moving powerfully in this situation. And, and, and he will bring it to pass. He will supernaturally bring it to pass. You say, God, I need a miracle. Guess what, he's got one for you. I mean, he's got one for you and I tell you what, it'll be a testimony to the rest of the world of God's delivering power. But like I said, you got to get your head and your heart off of the problem. And that's easier said than done. But I tell you what, if you'll, <laughs> if you'll praise him, thank him, praise God, and pray in the Holy Ghost, he'll, he'll help you get the victory. It'll come. I said, it'll come. I said, it will come. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's just do this right now. You know, um, let's, let's get this started to where, um, um, how do I want to do this? Okay. The way we're going to do this, let me share this scripture with you. It says, this is the confidence that we, no, no, wrong scripture. Uh, I got to find the right one. Um, Philippians 4, 6. So whoever you are, you take this scripture. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. Never be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, supplication with uh, uh, thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds. Now here's, here's the point. We're real good about praying, okay? But you gotta do the first part of that verse. And that is be careful for nothing. Never be anxious. That's, that becomes an act of your will. You with me? The prayer part's great. But if you'll say, I refuse to worry, I refuse to take care. I refuse to put my head on this thing as something that's impossible with God. See, when you do that and you start fighting in that kind of way, then praise God, then, then we're going to get some results. I don't care what God has to do, dude. I don't care what he has to do. Brother Hagin talks about, you got time for one more story? We've got two minutes. Okay. 
<laughs> two minutes means it'll be a quarter after eight. That's all two minutes means. But Brother Egan was talking about, he was pastoring a church. He pastored for about 12 years. And in one of these churches, uh, a couple had a, uh, a daughter. And she was, um, they put her in school when, I think they went to school when they were either five or six. Doesn't make any difference. Went to school. And she never got out of the kindergarten grade. Never got out of the first grade. She was 18 years old. And finally, after I think about seven years, they just said, just take her home. Because, you know, there's nothing there. Well, so here's an 18-year-old girl, and a lot of times she'd jump over the pews with her dress on, and it'd be all over the place. She'd crawl under, you know, like a two-year-old kid, crawling around underneath the pews and everything. Well, one night they were having a meeting, and they got done with the service and everything, gave the altar call, and this girl comes up and gets saved, gives her heart to Christ. He said, it's the most dramatic thing that I've ever seen in my life. He said, that, that girl, the next, next night came, she was dressed I mean, properly in clean clothes. She had her hair all made up and everything like this. And I mean, she was a completely, he said that her intelligence must have increased at least uh, 30 to 60%. And, you know, well, he, he resigned from the church. He went on field ministry and travel and whatever. He came back to that church and there was a gal that was a secretary and, um, he knew her quite well from before, and she's, he, he just met she said, say, whatever happened to Susie, or whatever his name is? And uh, um, she says, oh, she's in our church here. She she's attends faithfully. She said, by the way, come on out here. So he took her outside and looked, and, and there was a development, a housing development on the other side of the place where they were. You see, and, and the woman, the secretary said, you see all that? And Brother Hagin said, yeah, he says, she's doing that. She's her own financier. She is the developer of it. She's building all them houses. And, and she said, you know, now I'm not speaking out of turn, but I can tell you because I am the secretary that this woman pays her tithes. They're in the plate every Sunday and all of her kids are sitting on the front row all dressed up just neat as can be. So don't tell me that God can't do something supernatural. Amen. I'm going to pray this prayer with you so you can release your faith uh, for what it is you need right now. Just, let's just pray this prayer. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word to cast all my care onto you because you care for me. You said to never be anxious about anything. So this is the last time that I will ever be anxious about my circumstance. And I want to thank you, Father, for moving in a way only you can to bring deliverance in my life. And I thank you for setting me free in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Amen. Praise God. Amen.